0: Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday. Thank you for joining me. Awesome show planned for you today. Uh, Delano Squires will be at the back end of the show to help me talk about the fire that I'm about to start. We've got one topic uh, for you today. Uh, We're going to address Larry Elder's appearance on The Breakfast Club uh, late last week. He put a clown suit on The Breakfast Club. I've wanted to get to this topic. You guys have emailed me about this topic. There was, you know, I wanted to cover the NFL yesterday, but I, I want to get to this topic because I think it's important. I did an interview earlier this morning, two, long two hour interview with Megan Kelly, and we covered some of this as it relates to Larry Elder. Uh, b- but I want to expound on some things I said on her show and things that I think are relevant here and why I think the GOP, the Republican Party, is making a mistake not having Larry Elder on the debate stage this Wednesday for the first Republican presidential debate. Larry Elder, of course, is the African-American radio host from uh, California, from the Los Angeles area, ran for governor, ran in that recall election against Gavin Newsom in California, gathered three and a half million votes, popular on Fox News, popular on his radio shows, been around for a long time. I believe Larry's like 71 years old. Larry had a brilliant appearance on The Breakfast Club. And if, if the GOP, if the Republican Party were serious, and this goes to a complaint that Royce White has had about the Republican Party. And are they just controlled opposition? Are they actually serious about breaking the Democrat Party's stranglehold on the black vote? If you watched, and I watched the entire hour and I believe six minutes of Larry Elder's appearance on The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club is a popular revolt TV, radio show, TV show that uh, with young black people and with young people that are into hip hop. It's kind of their go-to, it's like the view for hip hop heads and for young kids and who, who want a little political discussion, who want some discussion of pop culture. It's, it's like the radio TV version of The Shade Room to some degree. Charlemagne, for some reason, is taken seriously and gets access and interviews with important people. He's interviewed Joe Biden. He's the guy that Joe Biden basically said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. That's Charlemagne the fraud. He calls himself Charlemagne the God, but he's really Charlemagne the fraud. DJ Envy, uh, a male kind of host, drives the ship. Charlemagne's the star. Uh, DJ Envy's kind of the host, Angela Yee, they got rid of, or she left the show, and now I think they got a revolving cast of females uh, that come on the show uh, with them, and I, th- this woman's name that's on this interview with Larry Elder, I believe her name is Teslin. She's really annoying, but I want to break down what happened during this interview that I think is fascinating and points to a real opportunity and to a real movement that's happening with black voters, particularly young black voters. The stranglehold that the Democrats have had on black voters is starting to be released. You could see it in this interview. These guys, while pushing against Larry Elder, who's a conservative, a, a popular conservative, while pushing against them, they made zero effort, zero effort to defend the Democrat Party and liberals. That is progress. They went after Larry Elder like he was the worst person in the world, or at least the woman did, and Charlemagne to some degree, but they offered no defense of the Democrat Party. That points to what a great opportunity the Republican Party has to speak to black voters, because we're actually snapping out of the stranglehold, the cult-like following of the Democrat Party, and the fact that they would even have Larry Elder on the show is a sign of that progress and the opportunity. The Republican Party's making a mistake with Larry Elder not being, right now, scheduled to be on that debate stage on Wednesday. He struggled to meet the requirements of forty thousand donors, and I believe there was two requirements he had to make: forty thousand donors and something, forty thousand different donors, and, and something else. He he reached that threshold, I believe, yesterday, and is eligible to be on the debate stage. It's important that Larry be a part of the conversation because Larry talks about issues. That was the other thing that was fascinating. Larry kept ha- hammering. Families and the destruction of family is at the root of all problems basically facing black America. And these guys didn't want to agree with Larry, but they had to basically wave the white flag on that issue and say, hey, hey, man, you know, we can't disagree with I'm not going to disagree with that. But let's talk about this. And so there's a surrender, basically, on this family issue. It's so obvious, the problem is so acute that people are tired of making excuses, and and so they just want the discussion to go away, so they raise the white flag on that issue and try to move you to a more comfortable conversation that supports their liberal thinking and their view. And you can really hear it in this Teslin, their view that Okay, their, their default position is, I don't like Democrats, I don't like Republicans, everybody's racist, let's blow up the entire system is their default position. And that's what now there's an opportunity to have a conversation about, well, hold on, man. This system that particularly Tesla, kept talking about, are you going to design a better one? Is there a better one? Is there a country where black people are 13% of the population and there's a system that treats black people better? That's the conversation that needs to be had. They had Larry, not on the defensive, but they kept just, it was three different people trying to tag team and ask him questions. It was hard for him to finish any thought in any kind of real detail because these guys are so in over their heads, dealing with someone who's so fact-based and so informed, they looked like and sounded like clowns. But there's an opportunity here. There's a dissatisfaction and a realization like, man, we had Barack Obama as president and nothing happened. Man, we have Kamala Harris and she's an AKA ski wee and nothing has happened and she's actually a clown. And Obama actually was the first gay president and did nothing to improve America for anybody, but particularly for black people. There's an opportunity for a real conversation and to break that stranglehold. That's why Larry Elder is important. Larry, I believe, is going to be on the show tomorrow, but I want to break down uh, this interview on The Breakfast Club. And we'll start uh, with the first clip where (laughs) And and we're going to give This about a three-minute, three-minute and 30-second clip where Larry starts breaking down what the problem is and then listen to Charlemagne's response. To a guy unpacks what the problem is and and all Charlemagne can come back with is, what about white people?
1: Watch the clip. For example, the number one social problem in America by far is the epidemic, not of COVID, but of fatherlessness. 70% of black kids today enter the world without a father in the home married to the mother, up from 25% back in 1965. Now 25% of white kids enter the world today without a father in the home married to the mother. And the stats are clear, even Barack Obama once cited them. If you're raised without a dad, you're five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. What's happened? In the mid 60s, with I think the best of intentions, a Democrat named Lyndon Johnson launched what he called the War on Poverty. And since then, we have incentivized women to marry the government and incentivized men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. You know, when I say this to people, the pushback I get is, well, uh, there are lots of things that are going on, systemic racism, poverty. Uh, Here's the problem. If you look at a young black male, age 10 to 43, that's young to me because I'm 71 years old. A young black man in that demo is 13 times more likely to be murdered than a young white man, same demo young black man, real young, 19 and under, the number one cause of preventable death is homicide, almost always at the hands of another young black male. Uh, Same demo for whites, the number one cause of preventable death is unintentional deaths. That includes drug overdoses, Mm -hmm. automobile accidents, drownings. Uh, It's not until they get to number four that uh, death is the cause. In America, 60% of the shootings the robberies and the homicide homicides are committed by black people, often against other black people. Of the homicides in this country, half of them are black victims, almost all killed by other blacks. Uh, how do you explain that uh, if it isn't for the absence of fathers? Are you prepared to say black people are just genetically inclined to commit more crime? I doubt it. And the go-to reaction often is is poverty uh, and systemic racism. Here's the problem. 1940, when there was blatant Racism. This is before Brown versus Board of Education, before the Civil Rights Act of 64. KKK was still alive and well. 87% of blacks lived under the poverty line. Now it's about 14%. You can't blame it on poverty. You can't blame it on racism. It is the breakdown of the nuclear intact family, and neither side is talking about it. The left doesn't talk about it because they caused it with the welfare state, and our side does not talk about it, because if you're white, you'll be accused of dissing single moms who are heroically raising these kids. Or you'll be accused of being a racist, or if you're black, you'll be accused, as I was by the LA Times, of being the black face of white supremacy. Nobody's talking about that. I am.
2: What are the reasons, uh, you know, if your statistics are right, what are the reasons that you think fathers aren't in the home?
1: As I said, it's because uh, in the mid-60s, Lyndon Johnson launched what he called the War on Poverty. In Charlemagne, literally, they sent social workers door-to-door in the inner city. I remember this. Mm -hmm. Advising women of the availability of welfare provided there was no man in the house. It created an economic incentive for women to marry the government. Same thing with whites. In 1965, 8% of whites entered the world without a father in the home married to the mother. Now it's about 25%, also up threefold. Look at census data, 1910. 1920, 1930 in places like Milwaukee, Chicago, uh, Philadelphia, a young black kid was slightly more likely to be brought into a world with a father in the home married to the mother than a young white kid. We have incentivized this kind of bad behavior and it's had a disproportionately bad effect on the black community. Let me ask a question. What do white people do wrong?
0: (laughs) The man just (laughs) broke down the entire problem with america and and ex- explained that this problem is impacting white america as well he just explained that that the, the growth in fatherlessness three times more from the 1960s to today in the white community and the black community there's been this rise Charlemagne can't hear any of it. All he can say, let me ask you a question. What do white people do wrong? Hey, <laughs> this, I mean, this is so simple. It's, it's like, I have a weight problem. I'm, I, and I, you know, I know you guys get tired of me making the weight analogies, but I'm just sorry. It's just too easy. I have a weight problem. Charlemagne, if he was my dietician, would come in and say, hey, well, you know, there's a guy on your show, David Reed, and he's 15 pounds overweight. What about him? And and so it's just like, Jason, you're 70 pounds overweight, but the real key to fixing your 70-pound weight problem is for David Reed to fix his 15-pound weight problem. It makes no sense. It's a distraction. It's a tactic. Charlemagne very because this happened in the first, I, I yeah I think this happened in the first five minutes of the interview, and Charlemagne realized like, oh man, they didn't put me in the deep end of the pool. This man's quoting stats and facts, and he has a deep command of history. Oh my God, what am I doing here? Let me throw out an SOS signal. Let me distract and run away from all of this substance Larry Elder just put on the table. What do white people do wrong? And he circled back to this whole what about white people thing again, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go there because I, I, I want to get to. But you know what? But before I get to the next cut, because this fatherlessness thing is a perfect segue for me to talk about pre-born. Because that, these things all tie together, the destruction of family, the lack of respect for the sanctity of life. Larry Elder's breaking down to you where all the crime and the violent crime comes from, where this mentality of black-on-black violence and the early death of young black men, where all this mentality comes from is from the wrong view about the sanctity of life within the womb. If you don't have that understanding, you won't believe in the sanctity of life outside the womb. If children, if, if, if the baby in the womb isn't approached, as like, hey, let me help this baby develop while in the womb. Let me create the perfect environment for this expectant mother so that she's in the right mindset, so that she feels relaxed and is not filled with anxiety and fear and concern about her safety, where she can pour positive energy into that baby in the womb. Don't be surprised if you deny a child of the proper environment inside the womb, that when that child gets outside of the womb, those problems will rear its ugly head. That's why we are huge supporters of preborn, because no group, no organization treats a baby better inside the womb, treats an expectant mother while she's carrying a baby. No organization treats them better, has more concern for them. They provide ultrasounds to women, expectant mothers, who are considering abortion, they introduce that woman to the baby's heartbeat, an image of that baby inside the womb. Then the mother realizes, oh my God, there's life inside of me and what I do is important right now. She's far more likely to choose life than abortion. Once that ultrasound is given, Preborn then comes in and provides that expected mother with what she needs to get through the pregnancy and the first two years of that baby's life outside the womb. Preborn is awesome. This is why we must support this organization. $28 pays for one ultrasound, $140 pays for five. Two ways to give, you can hit pound 250, say the keyword baby, or you can go to preborn.com slash Jason and give that way, whether it's $28, whether it's $5, whether it's $5,000, whatever, as fearless soldiers, we support life inside the womb, we support preborn. It's an awesome organization. I want to circle back to Larry Elder and this conversation because this is a pivot and this will irritate uh, some of you, but I just got to speak facts. I got to keep it real. Uh, Larry Elder put donkey of the day stickers on all of these people. I give DJ Envy credit. He, he mostly stayed out of it. He, he jumped in with some dumb stuff occasionally, but Charlemagne and whoever this woman is, Teslin. Were the star donkeys of the day, and and this is why they don't bring in conservatives or Christians or people with common sense on that show. They, They bring in the Hollywood elite. They know what the Hollywood elite is going to say. They bring in people that are afraid of them. They bring in people that share their worldview or belief, or they bring in people they can beat up easily. They got into a fight with a real heavyweight, and it was embarrassing. This woman, Teslin, and I, I have very little respect for Charlemagne's intellect, very little. This woman, Teslin, looked retarded. Let's play this clip about how uh, no one's, uh, black people have never been in charge
1: of a system.
0: Okay. Unfamiliar, okay. Unfamiliar all right. All right. Can system. we? Can we? Black can, people can,
3: have never been in charge of any system. Well, We're not actually, actually, in that actually we
1: actually we have been. Take Baltimore. No, We're, no, we've never been in charge may, of system. May any I finish?
3: Any, no. Tell me, what financial system are black people in okay, charge l- l- of? Take, what healthcare system are black people in charge of? What government system are black people I'm, in I'm charge of? I'm to tell you. What prison system are black? No, black people in charge. I'm ready
1: to tell you. Back, I'm, no, I'm, 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 I'm,
3: I'm not talking about mayors. I already know that talking talking point, sir. I go on Fox News all the time as well. So let's not let's not go there with that. I said, what system have we created? Have we implemented that we have been in charge of? name one.
2: Is this why you don't like talking to black women? Larry Elder?
1: Wow. Um, ba- Baltimore. <laughs> uh, Freddie Gray a few years ago. No, no, ago, no.
3: That's mayors. I'm not talking. I said system. I'm Remember going you to like tell you about
1: this system if you allow me to finish my point. I'm
3: not talking about somebody elected and doing a job, sir. I asked what system did we create? What financial we Okay, let's system talk about the system of one yeah, of let him the largest. Let him say his thank point, you. Man. One
1: of the systems of one of the largest uh, uh, cities in America, Baltimore. Uh, Freddie Gray died in police custody a few years ago. Uh, the mayor was black. The head of the police department was black. Number two. Uh, it's not pers- in charge
3: of the system, but go ahead. Number
1: two person in charge of the police department was black. All of city council Democrats majority black.
3: Six, Still not in charge of the system.
1: Wow. Six, That's off- a position. six officers charged. Three of them were black. A judge before whom two of the officers tried their case, found him not guilty, was black. Still uh, not the, in charge of the, the system. The, the uh, city, uh, 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 the of public schools was black. The county superintendent of public schools is black. Uh, the attorney general at the time, Loretta Lynch, is black, as was the president of the United States was black. And yet still not in people,
3: charge of the system. So well,
1: well, Wanda Sykes said uh, when when uh, when Barack Obama got elected, how are you going to complain about the man when you are the man? Now, from the president to the attorney general to the state attorney, uh, to the mayor, to the head of the police department, uh, to the commissions of the schools in the city and in the county, uh, to the majority of city council in that city, all of them are black. And you're still saying that we don't run anything. So who's in charge of the no, system? No, no,
3: no. I I said who created the system. I didn't say we didn't run anything. I I challenged a lot of those black leaders, by the way. I said who, when we talk about the system, who, what black people have been in charge of any system? I'm not talking about a position. I'm not talking about a mayor. You know, good. Oh, and so where, you you're, you're basically saying that they're, just,
2: so, they're black faces that are still in those so, no so, positions, so, so, but they're still so, being a part Similar of the system. Correct. Similar to you, Mr. So, elder. So, you're so, a black
3: face in, in a position in the conservative so, movement. They're, they're just the same. They're just on the other side. I'm talking so about then, we have so never the so, so then
1: when the Martin system. Luther King said in 1966, I believe there could be a black president uh, in about 40 years time, then it really doesn't matter whether there's one or isn't, no, it, it's, it's yeah, not it, so Nothing, it, nothing he, changes. He was naive then. Well, the system also killed him
3: as well. Well, we know that the FBI and the CIA also killed him. That system. You realize that, correct?
1: Wow. An individual killed him.
3: Right, that was also a part of cro Hotel through the system, Control correct? Pro.
1: Yeah. Uh, not correct, Pro. No, not, not correct. He was So the
3: FBI didn't have anything to do with it? The CIA didn't have anything to do with yeah,
1: it? Yeah, Hoover was definitely on Martin's ass. Like, come I on. Didn't, I didn't say he wasn't. Oh. Uh, Robert Kennedy is the one that approved the wiretaps, but to say that the FBI killed him, I mean, what's your evidence of that? Oh, no, I, yeah, that's, I, a, that's a pretty I, serious I, 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 I charge. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Pretty serious charge. Yeah. Serious charge yeah, require serious about the,
3: evidence. Yeah.
0: This is, let's, I'm going to speculate here. This woman is between 30 and 40 years old, I would think. She's talking to a 71-year-old man with zero respect. And I've watched the entire interview. Larry Elder never engaged with her in a disrespectful manner. Never. Not once. All she gave him was negative energy. D- these Charlemagne and DJ Enby, weak, cuck men. It's their show. They should have told that woman, shut the F up. We don't talk to a guest in the way that you're doing it. Go sit down somewhere. But that's not how we talk. We, we, we don't set up any lines of boundaries. We don't enforce any code of conduct when it comes to the black woman. She gets to run wild and do whatever she wants and say whatever she wants and be disrespectful to every, anybody she wants. She's a queen. She can run wild and no one can second guess her on anything. She doesn't have to make any sense. And so Larry Elder tried his best to give a great answer. I would answer it more simply and she would cut me off or whatever. But but I I would answer answer her questions more simply. She's, what financial system have we ever been in charge of? Well, maybe the financial system we haven't been in charge of. Your bank account. That's a financial system. My bank account. The money that comes into me. I'm in charge of that system. Every individual is in charge of that system. Go look at the credit scores on average of black people and ask yourself have we? run our systems in whole, the individual financial systems that we control. White people don't tell me where to spend my money. They don't tell me when to pay my bills. They They have no control over that. My credit score is astronomical in a good way. Because I control that, I don't sit around and think, oh my God, the white man, the this and that, I have no control over it. Let me give you a different one, because you can say, well, Jason, just because you had good jobs and you got paid all that money and blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay, you, you're still depending on a white man to give you a job to be able to, okay, let's remove that. I think she said, what medical system have we been in control of? What medical system? You are in control of your individual health. And so I just pointed you, I got a great credit score. Have I been a good steward of my health, walking around overweight? No. Is this a pervasive problem among black people? There ain't no white person stuffing Doritos down your mouth or my mouth. Didn't anybody tell me, hey, you should drink this grape Kool-Aid like it's water. No, No white person puts a gun to your head and says, hey, go to McDonald's. Don't cook at home. Don't eat fresh vegetables. Pour as much salt as you want to on that fried chicken that you're eating. That's not a white person. That's an individual in control of their health making bad decisions. Go look at our obesity rates. That's on us as individuals. We're in control of individual systems and we don't manage it well. I'm gonna give you another great example. When have we created anything that we are in charge of a system? When have we ever created anything? When you lay down and open your legs and let some man insert his raw penis inside of you, you have created something, a baby. Have you managed that creation to the best of your abilities? Are your kids running wild out in the streets? Are your kids failing academically and underperforming every other group? Blame it all on white people if you want to, but we know the truth. Have we managed that system individually? White people don't tell you, hey, spread your legs, baby, and let that man run through you raw. White people don't tell you, hey, you know what, Uh, go hang out with your girlfriends And let your uh, grandmama or your mama take care of your kids or your next door neighbor take care of your kids or don't even take care of your kids. Go suck on that crack pipe. And that's not the white man. That's you. That's us. So don't hand me that we ain't never been in control of no system. And then when Larry Elder breaks it down for you and says, well, hold on, man, we in control of a lot of Baltimore. A whole lot. Oh, but, but but we didn't we didn't create that. That's not our system. Those are just black faces doing what white people say. This woman is so illogical, so stupid, and Charlemagne and, and DJ MV two cucks sitting there, letting this woman make a fool out of herself and talk disrespectfully to a 71-year-old man who's done no harm to her and hasn't been disrespectful to her and they think this is appropriate. They're cucks. They're cowards. I could spend all day on this. Uh, I'm gonna skip. This, I'll circle back to the wake-up call, but I want to get this other stuff in because th- this is why I'm calling him a cuck. And this is why, and, and, and all their little, you know what, no, I, I, yeah, I'm going to go to this one. The LGBTQ in Charlemagne, when, when he showed his real agenda and what, who, who he's really beholden to. And it, 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 the white man ain't in control of the breakfast club It's the LGBTQ mafia It's the alphabet mafia And liberals and the satanic people That's who was in control of Charlemagne and the breakfast club But listen for yourself Look at what, everything that's happening I see one party that seems still committed
2: to democracy Somewhat And one party who's headed fast towards fascism
1: That's just my personal opinion so who do you think I would vote for? Well, who would well, you well. Who let's would you let's, let's talk right let's talk about fascism since I, I assume you're talking about uh, election denying. Uh, in 2000, when George W. Bush won the election over Al Gore, uh, the Democrats the first week of, of January 2001 tried to overturn the results in Florida. Uh, 2004, George W. Bush gets reelected. Uh, Democrats, including uh, Benny Thompson, the chair of the uh, January 6th committee, Jamie Raskin, a member of the January 6th committee, joined with 28 other House. Uh, Democrats and Senator Barbara Boxer to overturn the results in Ohio, claiming without any evidence that Debo voting machine had been hacked. Uh, 2016, January uh, January 2017, Democrats challenged more states uh, trying to... get the election overturned that elected donald trump then donald trump challenged the first week of january in 2021 nobody accused them of undermining our republic nobody accused them of being fascists they exercised whatever means they could to try to win the election i want to remind you that hillary clinton advised joe biden during the 2020 election If it is a close election, quote, do not concede under any circumstances, close quote. Donald Trump used whatever legal means he could, advancing some novel legal theories to try to uh, stay in office, and he failed. But I don't blame him for trying.
2: Yeah, but it's not just election denying. It's the disdain of women in fear of non-standard gender identities and sexual orientation. Disdain it's for It's the women. galvanizing of popular rage against cultural elites. It's nationalism based on dominant, wow. superior race and historic bloodlines. Like, There's a
0: lot of things that Republicans are doing. Well,
1: what about, what about, uh, what about, what uh... it, about.
0: It, it is the denial of non-traditional transgender homosexual people that I am scared to death of and control Hollywood, and if I don't say the right thing here, P. Diddy may never ask me to come over to his place at midnight again. I'll never be P. Diddy's booty call ever again. And I may get kicked off Revolt TV if I don't say the right thing and represent these Alphabet Mafia people. This is what The Breakfast Club is. They're they're put. <laughs> this woman kept, like, you have just a black face in a high place and blah, blah. These are just black faces put in place by the alphabet mafia to pretend like, hey, I'm here representing black people when I'm really here representing the alphabet mafia. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm doing. I just want this check. If P. Diddy wants to violate me, I'm good with it because there's a check that comes along with it. That's all this is. And, and, <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, I like Larry Elder. Larry Elder's great, comes in with them factually. Rip Charlemagne's juggler vein, and we'll, we'll show you that here in a second. But Lord have mercy, what I would do to Charlemagne in a verbal conflict. If, if, if he starts playing this LGBTQ card, show me on the doll where P. Diddy violated you, Charlemagne. Because that's what this is about, keeping that check. And you know that you have to get down on your knees and support things that have nothing to do with black people in order to keep that check coming so they can keep putting you out there. This man raped, allegedly, some 14, 15, 16-year-old girl And, and pleaded out to some lesser charges or whatever. <laughs> they put compromised people in these positions so they can control them. They can eliminate Charlemagne whenever they get re- want to. Because they got the dirt on him. Because he's violated people allegedly and he's comfortable with people that violate people. This was, a, this was a marvelous hour interview. I want to play the mass incarceration uh, piece. This is where the Teslin idiot uh, comes back in and, and Charlemagne and, and Larry. They, they can't, anyway, this is about a three-minute clip where they talk about that everybody loves the buzzword of mass incarceration. Uh, let's play the clip.
1: Most people who are behind bars are behind bars because they committed a violent crime against somebody else. And often the black people who are behind bars committed a violent crime against another black person. Uh,
3: Well, when I'm talking about mass incarceration, I'm not talking about violent crimes. I'm talking about nonviolent crimes, particularly the war on drugs. I was very clear in what I
1: said. I agree with with you that that I believe that the the drug problem should be dealt with as a health problem rather than a criminal justice problem. But most people are not behind bars uh, for using drugs or for dealing drugs. They're behind bars for having committed a violent act against another person.
3: Sure. But that wasn't what I was talking about. I was very clear when I talked about Joe Biden writing the crime bill and mass incarceration with war on drugs to nonviolent offenders. So that's a different conversation. You're weaving the two together. So we just uh, just have a disagreement on institutions versus race relations. And that's okay. Well,
1: well, in order for you to go, go, go to jail, you have to commit a crime. If you walk down the street. Not
2: always when you're black in America.
1: Well, where are the class action lawsuits, Charlemagne? We have all these black lawyers, um, many black people uh, have gone to law school. Where are the class action lawsuits uh, claiming that a bunch of people are behind bars uh, illegally, wrongfully? Where are they?
2: So you think everybody that's behind I didn't bars is
1: behind bars? I, I, I didn't say that. I, why don't you answer my question? Where are the class action lawsuits? Oh,
2: well, you got to need money to do class you have, action lawsuits. You have, you you've, had had
1: a, you've had a black attorney general, Eric Holder. Uh, you had back-to-back black attorneys general, Eric Holder, and then Loretta Lynch. Why didn't they release a whole bunch of uh, people who are illegally behind bars. Why didn't they do that? And and, and I criticized
3: criticized them as well. Went on Mm -hmm. record because actually you're right. Uh, He lied and said that he was going to fix the crack cocaine disparity. So I went on record. You're right. And guess what? Guess who he works for the system. So he's just a black face that works for the system at the time. So again, we just disagree on systems and institutions versus black faces in high places.
1: Well, the disparity has been, has been rectified. Uh, Now you go to jail for dealing powder as you do, as you do, for dealing crack, and at one time there was a disparity. Oh, you go to
3: jail, but the, but the ratio is not the same.
1: Well, because the dealers are not the same. Uh, for example, um, there, are, there, there are more white people behind bars for drunk driving than there are black people. There are certain categories no, of crime that about whites drugs, commit. No, Mr.
3: Le- Mr. Elder. You're going. first. You're depends talking on, about Depends crack on the drug. Cocaine, more more,
1: drink more, more drink. whites are behind bars for meth than than uh, than blacks. You're just
3: are. going all over the place, sir. We were talking about I was very clear. You in said mass drugs. It Depends on the category of drugs drug. It depends cocaine. on
1: the category of drugs. More whites are involved in meth right, than blacks. Right,
3: but I gave you the category that I wanted to talk about, and you start talking about drugs. You're just all over the place, Mr. Elder. But it's okay. More
1: more blacks are involved in crack drinking. cocaine. More whites are involved. And powder, more whites are involved in mask uh, than blacks, depends on the category of the of the drug you're talking right. about. and I
3: was talking about a very clear category, and I gave you, I, I I told you where I just criticized the black man who was in charge, and you okay. skipped over that, and went right to talking about junk driving. Like, so again, so sir, we I have no problem with criticizing black Democrats. We, we, we do that, Charlemagne does that all the time. It's just the imbalance of understanding that even black faces in high places, even including yours, and Democrats, or Republicans, just being fair across the board that's all well, cocaine, well that, 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 that to me that to me that to
1: me basically is no different than what Joe Biden just did with Charlemagne which is to tell me as a black person I got to think a certain kind of way otherwise I'm not and black. I didn't
3: like and I didn't like that either well, you just didn't. I didn't like that either you just did you like call me a black
1: face as if I'm supposed to think a certain kind of
0: way no, you just I said black
3: face I said blackface in hot
0: So keep in mind, the woman went from black people had never been in charge of anything to, in that clip, arguing. And I criticized the black man that was in charge. I thought you said the black man's not in charge of anything. But but, there's... This man was trying to argue logic with people who were incapable of understanding logic. They start talking about mass incarceration. And Larry Elder appropriately says... Well, hold on, mass incarceration isn't related to drug dealing. It's related to violent crime. The overwhelming majority of people that are in prison are violent criminals. If you reduce violent crime, there won't be black mass incarceration. His argument is, if you reduce drug dealing, there will still be mass incarceration because the overwhelming majority of people in prison are there for violent crimes. That's whether they're black or white. He's arguing that your point that drug dealing led to mass incarceration isn't accurate. It's a lie. And, and you know again, he, he's not me. I could have simplified it for him. Did you watch The Wire? It's a television show, I know it's fiction, but it's like a Bible for black people. I, I like The Wire too, but it's like, every, everybody loves The Wire. The whole point of The Wire, or one of the points, one of the major points. Stringer Bell made it, tried to make it to Avon Barksdale. If you reduce the violence, the police will go away. Let's quit dropping bottle bodies. Let's quit beefing with Marlowe. Let's get out of the violence business. Let's quit worrying about owning this corner. And the police will leave us alone. The point of the wire, they made it crystal clear. is like, yeah, white folks deal, use drugs, but they don't have this violence associated with it. There's not bodies being dropped on a daily basis. That's what attracts the police. That's what gets people locked up. That's, again, if you go to season one of The Wire, if they don't kill the security guard, the security guard who testified against D'Angelo in episode one, if they don't kill him, there's never a task force to bring down Stringer and Avon. It's so simple. What the man, our violent crime is why there's mass incarceration. I know you've bought Michelle Alexander's book. I used to love Michelle Alexander. It's a lie that everybody's locked up over marijuana charges. He's got the stats. He's pointed it out to you. You can't comprehend it. It blows up your worldview and the little talking points you picked up off of Twitter. The other thing that they cannot understand and grasp, she, she went back, I'm talking about the system. And see, you just can't understand that the systems and the systems and how they're related to this and that. Fingernails on a chalkboard, this level of idiocy platformed and put out there as if it makes sense and as if she has something to offer. This is embarrassing. This is what they have to accept. Let's take her, the system. She's under some kind of false, naive, silly belief. That Let's take her out of Oh, there's a system that exploits poor black people. Let, let's take her out of her work. She actually believes that black people are incapable of helping create, maintain, and run that system. Why would she believe that? What type of naive, naivety, foolishness? Again, let's go back to the system, let's go all the way back to the system of slavery. You think Africans that were capturing other Africans and putting them into slavery, they weren't part of that system? There's something that makes black people immune to participating in a system that exploits other black people? Are you kidding me? What world are you living in? And so just to reduce this down, well, it's only conservative white people, or, or let's say she would say, no, nah, no, nah, I think both parts. It's only white people, whether conservative or liberal they maintain, run the system, it's their system, and they're doing all the exploit. That's, so na- that's such a naive thought. That, 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 that you think Barack o and Michelle Obama wouldn't take part in that deal? Wouldn't participate in a system that exploits black people? Do you have any understanding of history? Humans in pursuit of power, regardless of color, will participate in a system that exploits people and enriches them. I'll give you another TV show to point it out. Just so you don't have to deal with reality. We can just give you stuff. Go to Game of Thrones. The whole show, what it's really about, is what people will do, the level of depravity that people will go to in pursuit of power and money. That's all the show is about. And to sit here naively and think, oh, well, black people are immune to that. You and Charlemagne are participating in a system that exploits poor black people. That's what The Breakfast Club is. It's a show to distract black people and to make them think that white people are their gods and are in control of their destiny and have no agency. You don't control anything. We don't run any systems. We're not in charge of anything. You're in charge of you. If I don't lose weight today, that's on me, not some magical white person. If I spend more money than I bring in in 2023 or 2024, that's on me, not some magical white person. If I choose to smoke crack cocaine, drink too much tequila, that's on me. If I run up in some girl raw and impregnate her, that's on me, not a magical white person. I'm in charge of the Jason Whitlock system. And to run around and to bl- oh, it's all white people. I'm you're overweight. You got bad credit. You knocked up three different. You got three different baby mamas. That's all the white man's fault. He ripped the condom off your penis. He spread your legs. Clown, Clown. It, it, it's unmanly. It's again. If you men are most responsible for being accountable and responsible, and it doesn't matter your color, and to pass off, and for Charlemagne and DJ Envy and whoever this clown woman is, Teslin, to sit there and hold a conversation for an hour. Where what about white people? I'm not responsible for anything. What about
1: white people?
0: So unmasculine, so feminine, so emotional, so illogical. People are donkeys. Donkeys is a great word because that's the Democrat, aren't Democrats donkeys? Donkeys of the day, this is the perfect description of the breakfast club. Caping up for the Democrat party and liberal ideology at every turn. There's a great opportunity here, because as much as I'm criticizing them, I will say they've moved. Because they run now from that Democrat label and Charlemagne said, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. Tesla, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. We criticize it. That's progress. That's progress. They're running away from that liberal uh, label. They both, I'm pro-family. Charlamagne, I got a family. I'm married. I'm raising my kids. Give that advice to everybody else. Hammer that drum. It's all progress. But... (laughs) That was some clown stuff, and, and again, I, I didn't even play the clip that, that went viral, and so, let, let's play the clip. I, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm trying to get to Delano, I will get there. But let's play the clip of the the wake-up call uh, that Charlemagne talked, the N-word wake-up call. Let's play the clip.
2: I know you probably gotta go, up. Uh, <laughs> have you ever heard of the <clears throat> term wake-up call? No. It is an incident where a person of color forgets that they are of color and are reminded rather brutally by an unexpected act of racism. Oh, have you brother. ever had any of those? Oh brother. I'm just asking. I'm just, have, you think you've ever well, had Well,
1: I'm acutely aware, Charlemagne, that I'm a black person, just as you are a black person. And when uh, Joe Biden insulted you by saying, mm-hmm. you ain't really black, we don't know whether or not you want to vote for me or vote for Donald Trump, uh, it seems to me that should have been a wake up call on your part. How dare this guy come in here and insult you a black man and tell you you got to think a certain kind of way. I'm amazed that you weren't mad about that.
2: Um I didn't I'm not going to say I, it upset me just like I'm not letting you upset me. You know what I mean? I don't tend to get upset over things like well, that. But what I did say Well, to well him you point, just not, not talk
1: a f- wake up call and it seemed to me that that should have been a wake up call on your part to have a white guy come in here who also said by the way uh, uh about Mitt Romney um uh, uh, because he didn't want to put more regulations on Wall Street, going to put y'all back in chains. And Joe Biden has lied for decades about his civil rights record, claiming that he desegregated movie theaters and restaurants in, in Wilmington, Delaware, when he didn't any didn't do any of that. He lied and said that he tried to visit Nelson Mandela during apartheid South Africa. He did not. And he came in here and told you you aren't even black unless you think a certain kind of way. It seems to me that should have been a nigger wake-up call for you, but it wasn't, apparently.
2: Yeah, I mean, no. for the record, I'm
1: not a Democrat or Republican. I, I, I think, didn't say you were I, yeah, I think both I don't know what trash. you are. I, I never yeah, even I, asked you about your party affiliation Yeah, I'm just saying you but you are black and, and to have a white guy come in here and tell you you have to say uh, Think a certain kind of way. Otherwise you quote ain't black. Wow. How should I have
2: replied to him? You think?
1: What I just now said how dare you insult me and tell me I, I think as, as a human being let alone as a black person I don't tell you how to thank Joe Biden. How dare you come in here and tell me how, to, how I, I, I should think? I'm going to vote for Donald Trump if I want to vote for Donald Trump. And if I want to vote for Donald Trump, it does not make me not black. 20% of black people, black men, as I said, have voted for Donald Trump in 2020. Are they not black now? So only 80% of black people, black men walking around are really black? 20% are not because they voted for Donald Trump? How insulting is that? How condescending is that?
2: Mm. I i mean you're probably right but I didn't take it in that way as well I, I did said, as I said to him in that moment You know, it's just about me wanting something for my people and I want to know what is he going to do for my- mm.
0: You probably right I Should have grown a pair of balls. I should have pushed back against Joe Biden but I know if I did Massa would be very upset P. Diddy may come down here and violate me in front of everybody, and they could take this job away from me because I'm compromised from the misdeeds I did in my youth. I'm just a puppet, Larry. I'm not free to say what I really think. I'm Charlemagne the Fraud, donkey of the day. No We're no Your squires
3: next.
0: Women don't take bullets. It's not their job. It's not their role. Sane societies send men into war to die. It's biblical. Jesus Christ, a man, sacrificed his life for all of humanity. The sacrifice of man's life is practical too. We can be replaced. One man and many women can birth a nation. One woman and many men will provoke a homicidal genocide among frustrated and angry men. A woman's womb is far more valuable than a man's penis. The virgin birth of Jesus proves my point. Women are designed to be protected, shielded from dangerous conflict. The collapse of American society is directly linked to our decision to move women en masse to the front lines, to place them in harm's way, to treat them as men. They won't take the bullets that go along with leadership. It's not because they're mentally weak, it's because the creator constructed them for a different purpose, a task arguably far more important. God created women to protect and nurture what grows inside their wombs, not rights, freedoms, and order. In the book of Genesis, God gave man dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. The American culture war is a battle over dominion. The combatants are man and woman, believers and non-believers. The stakes are enormous. The outcome will determine the fate of our most fundamental freedom, free speech. Without it, we will lose our right to worship God freely and publicly. As is the case in Canada and Europe, the words written in the Bible will be classified as hate speech, punishable in criminal and civil court. Free speech is an issue worth dying for. Tucker Carlson grabbed a musket and enlisted in the free speech war. He joined the rebel army, the Confederates, fighting the globalists, elites, progressives, establishment media, and politicians who believe free speech inhibits American advancement. Carlson announced he would relaunch his successful talk show on Twitter. Carlson took a bullet. He declared war on one of the most powerful people on the planet— Rupert Murdoch, and one of the most powerful establishment media corporations on the planet, Fox News. In conjunction with his announcement, Carlson's attorney accused Fox News of fraud and contract breachment over the network's surprise dismissal of Carlson last month. In a three-minute video posted to Twitter, Carlson said he planned to broadcast the show on Twitter because it's the lone consequential platform that allows free speech. Tucker said you can't have a free society if people aren't allowed to say what they think is true. Speech is the fundamental prerequisite for democracy. That's why it's enshrined in the first of our constitutional amendments. Amazingly, there aren't many platforms left that allow free speech. The last big one remaining in the world, the only one, is Twitter. Fox News paid Carlson $20 million a year to host a primetime one-hour show. He probably could have commanded 50 million a year had he played along with the uniparty hoax being run by establishment Democrats and Republicans and corporate media. Instead, he sacrificed his career and reputation to speak freely and truthfully. He's taking a bullet. It's what men are supposed to do. It's what Alex Jones has done for the last 30 years. Jones has been ridiculed as a liar and fraud throughout his career. He raised valid questions about the events on 9-11. The government has yet to give a logical explanation for the collapse of Building 7. Jones celebrated Carlson's courage and what it could mean in the culture war. Jones said, it's about the death of cable news. It's about the death of the establishment. It's about the death of intelligence agencies and the censorship and the surveillance. I'm as hopeful as Alex Jones. We're reaching a long overdue age of enlightenment. It's been 32 years since Oliver Stone released the movie JFK, a film that pointed to a CIA plot to kill President Kennedy. Corporate media blasted Stone as a conspiracy theorist. It's the same smear that has been leveled at Jones and Carlson. Jones, Carlson, and Stone are men who sacrificed their reputations to tell the truth. Elon Musk is another wealthy and powerful man taking a bullet to protect free speech. The billionaire founder of Tesla's decision to acquire Twitter and reconfigure it to allow free speech has made him an enemy of the establishment and polarizing. The responsibility of dominion requires the ultimate self-sacrifice. Women are not wired for that kind of self-sacrifice. They have a different calling. They're responsible for the replenishment of the earth and life. They sacrifice for the protection of children, not for the maintenance of an orderly society. Women suffer when their children experience discomfort. That's why the protection of feelings is so important to them. As women exercise more and more dominion over American society, we have prioritized the protection of feelings above truth and order. If a boy or man feels like a girl, the matriarchy affirms that feeling with little concern about truth or societal order. The priority is avoiding hurt feelings. That's how a society ends up with a batten balls men sharing a bathroom with and or competing against women. Feelings disrupt order and truth. America has eliminated tolerance for rebuke. It's too painful. We've twisted scripture to justify the elimination of judgment. Atheists love quoting Matthew 7 and 1, judge not lest ye be judged. They avoid dozens of scriptures where Jesus and the disciples directly command us to judge unrighteous behavior. They avoid context and a full understanding of the word. Man needs to be rebuked and judged by other men standing on the word of God. My gluttony should be rebuked. Behavior that contradicts God's instructions should be called out and admonished, including sexual promiscuity and homosexuality. Man and woman are outside the roles designed for us. We've created a society where we affirm everything that kills us out of fear that we might hurt someone's feelings. This new standard has empowered sin and the sinful. Twitter has become LGBTQ plus heaven. It has served as the muscle for the Alphabet Mafia. Anyone who stood on biblical values and refused to affirm transgenderism and homosexuality faced reputation assassination. The transgender crowd sees opposition to puberty blockers and gender mutilation as issues worth dying for. Men who want to be women will take and deliver a bullet. It's in their nature. Women who want to be men will take and deliver a bullet. They're that desperate to prove their manhood. It's time for real men to return to their nature and prove their manhood. Tucker Carlson did it, we all should. Welcome back to the show. Let's run out to Washington, D.C. This topic is perfect for Delano. He talks and writes about family all the time. Larry Elder went on The Breakfast Club, made the argument that fatherlessness is the number one problem in America, not just black America, but in America. Delano, I watched the full hour of this interview, and I got to say, I was disgusted. I I, I was Mm. disgusted, but I was also... A tiny bit hopeful because these guys did not try to defend the Democrat Party, did not try to defend liberalism, basically surrendered on that, admitted that family is an important issue. But the treatment, particularly by the young woman and Charlemagne of Larry Elder, disgusted me. I thought there wasn't enough respect given for someone who wasn't
4: trying to be hyper aggressive with them. So, I, I saw a slightly different, Jason. I, I feel like they did try to give a defense of progressivism. Um they, they spent, you know, Charlemagne, Envy, and Teslin Figaro spent a fair amount of time trying to get larry elder to to say that systems and systemic racism keep um, black people back, which is which is the main sort of thrust of progressivism today, right? That Black people are held by back by structural inequity, systemic racism, income inequality. Uh, and that's why so much of what the left pushes is bigger government and better white people. I think what happened is that they couldn't get far with their arguments because they weren't talking politics to a rapper or a friendly. So so they, they couldn't really do battle the way they may have wanted to with Larry Elder because, you know, he was bringing facts, whereas they, they were bringing emotions. But they, they certainly, to me, did not give the type of treatment to his arguments in terms of um, okay, so what, what should we do about the father the fatherlessness crisis, right? When, when in the beginning, when Larry Elder brought that up and he said that's why I'm running, and Charlemagne asked him, well, what do you think caused it? And Larry Elder said, I think liberal social policy is one aspect of it. When he went through, when he finished going through the connections between fatherlessness and, you know, uh, crime, incarceration, and education, Charlemagne's next words were, let me ask you a question: What's wrong with white people? And then from there, you, you get the type of interview that you knew you were going to get. It wasn't, hey, what can we do to solve this? It's, I- I'm-, I'm feeling too much pressure, Larry. T- tell me something's wrong with white people so I can feel better about myself. And so, so I-, I disagree <laughs> with you slightly on, on how that interview went down. It, 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 listen, normally, because you're right,
0: did they try to defend progressivism without calling it that? While trying to run away, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. Right, right, Both right. He and the Teslins said that, and mm. and 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 they didn't. There was no Democrat politician that they caped up for. I, I see this as them retreating because again, it's like, all right, I'm not going to try to defend Democrats. I, I just want I just want you to talk about these systems. And and once they started talking about, and I liked Larry's answer about systems and he went to Baltimore to give him a real life example mm. and tried to. it's like preposterous to say we have no power, no, we're not in charge of any systems. But where I, I, I went to and would have gone to and did on this show, it's just like hold on man, there's individual systems that we are mm. in control of and we're mismanaging young women that are getting impregnated and young men that are impregnating women. Th- that's a system we control that we're not managing well. If I spend more money than I take in, that's not because of white racism. That's because I'm mismanaging my finances. But but I I, I I'm. Te- what do you think of my assertion? Mm-hmm. The Republican Party is making a mistake not having Larry on this debate stage on Wednesday because I think there is an opportunity. I'm just by looking at the Breakfast Club and the way they answered. I, I think the fact that they would even have Larry on is an indication like we got to open ourselves up to a different conversation. There's a real opportunity to break the stranglehold the
4: Democrat Party has on the black vote. So so let me I, I wanted to address something that you said really quick, right? Um, to your point, they Charlemagne and Tesla tried to play the oh,'m I'm, I'm not Democrat or Republican. Uh, both parties are trash. But, but you, you could hear from the things that they were saying that, that they lean heavily to the left, right? So I, I think, again, Larry Elder came equipped with, with facts and data. And what Larry Elder actually did, if I, if I was to sort of um, pull, pull out the lens a little bit, Larry Elder did for sort of the black community, the sort of left-leaning, you know, hip-hop urban culture, what he did to Dave Rubin a number of years ago. Where Dave Rubin hit him with the same structural racism thing. This was back when Dave was a, a younger rascal, and you know he wasn't gray and all this other stuff. And and Larry Elder sat there for seven minutes and said, "Okay, tell me the biggest issue around structural racism." And he he systematically picked apart all of his points, and and the end product was he released Dave Rubin of those chains of white guilt. So now Dave Rubin is a completely different person. Because he was finally exposed to someone who could go toe to toe with him and expose the things that that that, you know, he was used to saying. And, and I think by reading some of the comments on The Breakfast Club video, a lot of black folk who say, I don't know who this Larry Elder guy is or I don't really fool with his politics, but I like the way that he dressed down, you know, these three people on The Breakfast Club. So I'm hoping it creates some of that space to have some additional conversations in the black community. But with respect to the debate stage, I think he definitely should be there, obviously, if he reaches the threshold. Because to your point, Jason, um, candidates who know they're not going to win, at the very least should be running to put specific issues on the table. And the fact that he started that interview by saying, I'm running to talk about what I believe is the number one epidemic in this country, which is fatherlessness, That particular issue deserves a dedicated voice on a debate stage. And I hope Republicans seize the opportunity um, to take advantage of that and to reach different groups of people who they've had trouble reaching in in years past.
0: What about my assertion that and and I mean this and I want to say it more respectfully with with you here, (laughs) but I felt like Charlemagne (laughs) or DJ Envy, should have mm-hmm. told Tesla, hey, shut up, stop this. We're not going to talk to a 71-year-old man who's not being disrespectful to us. We're not going to cut him off at every turn and make up. I-, I just felt like she was out of control, and the men who it's their show should have put,
4: drawn some boundaries for her. Um, so I-, I think there was one point when they were going back and forth around Baltimore, where, where Charlemagne said, let, let, let him answer Tez. And that was probably the closest that they did, you know, that they got to doing that. I, I will say this. P- part of this, I think, is, um, I hate to borrow the left's term, but, but sort of structural. Because when you have three people in the room and one person on Zoom, it can sort of th- throw the dynamics of the conversation off. Um, because I think you talk to people differently when you're face-to-face than when you're doing it through a screen. Uh, but I think I think that interaction is very much representative of the state of black America today, where men may have um, leadership titles, right? And, and on paper, they are the ones running the show. But women, and particularly women who they often are afraid of, um, have an outsized influence on the public culture. Uh, and, and one of the things that, that, that I put in my piece is like, a guy like Charlemagne He, he, he got high on his own supply, Jason. Right now, there's ways in which I could talk sports with me and my friends and I could sound, you know, very sophisticated. But if you put me on a a crew with ex-players on ESPN, I'm going to be exposed as a lightweight. I'm a fan. I'm a casual fan. I'm not an expert. And Charlemagne was exposed as a lightweight when it came to politics. But one of the reasons he's gotten to that point is because he's used to talking to, to women with whom he will never disagree, and even as he says, I'm a, I'm a married black father. He's, he's not going to tell Ebony K. Williams that her dumpster diving through uh, sperm bank directories is not good, neither for her nor her unborn child. He's not going to say that kids deserve a mother and a father and that her decision is selfish. He's not going to tell Kamala Harris that abortion is not liberation for the black community and we shouldn't be in the business of killing our offspring. He will never say those things because he's too concerned with being a good ally. So, so yes, they, they probably should have, and I think he probably tried to, in his own way, pull her back in. Because I don't know if you saw her her interview with Vivek Ramaswamy. It was even worse than with Larry Elder, by far. It was way worse. I'll I'll give you sort of the the the, the highlight or low light. At one point, she haggled him for about five minutes. On his service record, his civic service record. And to show him what he what she meant by service, she noted that when she was in sixth grade, and I'm paraphrasing, she was like hall monitor, or she was the president of the kids' association. And, and she was able to, you know, get the teacher to stop snatching paper from kids. And she said, Well, have you done something like that to show that you are of service, not something you got paid to do? And I mean, Everyone who saw that said, why is this woman on this program? Um, So, yeah, I I think there are ways in which they can probably tighten it up and get better talent, political talent. But I think it's actually reflective of where we are as a culture.
0: At one point when they had the mass incarceration conversation, (laughs) I was like, like, oh, man, Delano had to love this. This Mm -hmm. is Delano's argument. And, and it's like they can't wrap their mind around the fact like, hey, reduce violent crime. That's how you reduce mass incarceration. It's not drug dealing. Why people are in prison. They, it's like it, it blew their whole system up, their whole mind. They have no idea that that's the truth.
4: Yeah. And, and one of the things, Jason, for me, when I hear somebody use the term mass incarceration, I'm already leaning in the direction that they don't, the things that come next, they're not gonna know what they're talking about. Because that term has been used culturally to suggest, one, that the, the prison system is filled up with black and brown men who are, have been incarcerated for low level, nonviolent drug offenses. And that's just not the case at all. The the largest part of our of our, carceral system, which includes state prison, federal p- prison, local jails, you know, detention centers for youth and, and illegal immigrants. The largest part of that is the state prison system. And over 60% of the people in state prison, and this is as of 2021, are there for violent crimes. And particularly in, in the black community, um, it's a little bit higher, it's close, close to like 65%. In fact, there are more black inmates in state prison today for murder alone than all drug crimes. That's both possession and drug dealing on a, on a state level. So when, when Charlemagne s- trots out these, uh, these talking points, you know he's, he's never gone and read you know, any of the data from the Bureau of Justice Statistics. He's just used to parroting certain lines. And, and this is how the left operates. They, they never have to up their game because they only talk to one another. So when you're talking to the to the co-founders of BLM, you don't have to define mass incarceration. You don't have to say what level of decarceration, so reducing the prison population, would take us from mass incarceration to just regular incarceration. You don't have to look at why people are actually in prison. You don't have to look at the effect that violent crime has on communities across the country. You don't have to do any of that. You just say, I'm against mass incarceration. And everybody's like, oh wow, this guy's really deep. He's a deep thinker. And Larry Elder exposed that and I actually think even more than his presidential run, which I think is important, if he can get the issue of marriage, fatherhood and family on the table, I think, I hope what what his interview did was shift the Overton window in the black community a little bit more to the center so that we can have different types of conversations and so that people like Charlamagne, Teslin and DJ Envy are not playing political commentator when they're clearly unqualified for those roles. And so you mentioned that
0: they've had Vivek on, and I was mm-hmm. aware of that, but I didn't watch that interview. Now they've had Larry on, and, and Larry clown suited them, made them all donkeys of the day. Do you think they'll continue down this path during this election cycle of bringing on people that have different views than them Or did they get shocked here by the electric fence of Larry Elder and are going to stay in their lane?
4: I I hope that every presidential candidate on either side of the aisle reaches out to the Breakfast Club and says, I want to come on your show because you you reach voters that I may not be able to reach. And I want them to hear my message. I hope every single candidate does that. I hope Ron DeSantis does that. Tim Scott does that. Nikki Haley, RFK Jr. I'm not so concerned with Marianne Williamson. She's a little kooky. I think she's been on there, but particularly the ones on 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 the conservative side, all of them should make a call and say, "Hey, I want to come on the show." Now, whether they accept that 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 request or not is a different is a different issue, but they definitely should want to come on that show. Because they're going to reach a, a larger audience of, of black voters than they could if they went, you know, to some, you know, uh, 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 CPAC or one of these other one of these other events. So I, I hope that they do. Um, and if and if any and if the Breakfast Club reached out to any campaign and made that invitation, if I was any of the candidates running, I would jump at that opportunity.
0: I, I think. You should Blaze Heritage Foundation. We should reach out and try to get you on the show. You're younger, <laughs> they their peers. I, 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 I honestly believe that. I, you know, Charlemagne, you know, five, six, seven years ago, kept talking. He wanted to have me on the show, and but he really didn't. He told people he, you know, I, I don't blame him for being scared because I'm going to try to assassinate him when I'm on there verbally. Uh, and and I'm not no. I'm gonna play for keeps and he really don't want that because Larry took it easy on him but I do think they should have you on and I think you would do a great job you're you're younger and and you know you would pick them apart in a different way than Larry Elder just did uh,
4: Jason I I would love to do that and if there's any way whether through Blaze or Heritage or any other platform anybody has an in with the Breakfast Club I would love to go on and I promise I'll behave myself. Right. Because the 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 purpose of me going on would not be, you know, to own them and to create some viral clips. I think we would have a good and productive conversation. But really what it is, is to articulate a set of values and principles that that the the listeners of The Breakfast Club, I would argue, are not used to hearing on a regular basis. And that's actually, Jason, why I signed up um, The Root, which, you know, you know, I used to write for back in the day. They're having like a summit in September, September 20th in Washington, DC, at Howard University, and I signed up with my my Heritage email address, and I plan on going. Because I think wherever large groups of black folk are, and they're talking about the future of the black community, and they're talking about how we move forward, and and liberation, and freedom, and all these other things, I want to be in those rooms. Because I may be the only person that says, hey, guys, uh, a dedicated and involved dad in his house is a lot more important to the future of this nation and the black community than than a Democrat in the White House. And I want to be able to bring that message to as many people as I can. So yeah, I, I would love to. I, I, I would take that opportunity in a in a in a heartbeat. I would ride my bicycle to New York and stay at my parents' house <laughs> and then ride it into the city in order to take that opportunity. So yeah, I, I would love that. Thank you, Delano. Great job.
0: Thank you, Jason. We'll play some tomorrow. We'll see you. Tomorrow,
3: waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a off. nothing in life, like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all the moves for freedom. I want freedom.